You're listening to The Contrary Beekeeper Show. I'm Dan. I'm Greg. And I'm James. Join us as we journey into beekeeping while we learn to be the change, one hive at a time. This episode is brought to you by Nature's Image Farm. If you're interested in nukes, packages, queens, or supplies, visit us on the web at naturesimagefarm.com. Do you want to help support the show? Follow us, Dan and Christy, on Facebook and Instagram at Red Dog Ranch. Do you need a logo, graphic, or web design? Check out Blask Media on Facebook and Instagram. Now, on to the show. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Contrary Beekeeper Show. It has been uh, a little while since uh, Dan and I were able to get together and sit down and do a podcast. It's been one heck of a year. It's been quite chaotic. There's been a lot of moving around. There's been a lot going on, uh, and it hasn't stopped. And the next year is also shaping up uh, to be uh, pretty chaotic in a good way. Yes, very much so. And um, Dan, what's how has your year gone, and what's new with Dan and Red Dog Ranch? Uh, there's a lot to that. Uh, we, we start production for our honey house, uh, with everything going on, building a new building has been quite the challenge. Sourcing materials and getting them on time and getting uh, them to, yeah. We so, can afford them too. Yeah. We were fortunate before lumber went all crazy. Uh, we got all of our posts and trusses ordered and things like that. Uh, metal shot up in price. Yeah. But just getting it in stock, getting it in the ground, I think garage doors were almost six months of waiting. Yeah. And those just came a week ago. Yeah. So it's it's been a lot going on. And we're building it ourselves with the help of some friends coming over. But right now we have a shell and we have a semi-level gravel floor. If the roof leaks or the walls cave in, I'm sorry. Oh, it happens. I have insurance. But now you've got a, a huge building that's all dried in, yep. and you're ready to keep 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 after it. And uh, I bet you'll have something ready to go for spring, for your spring pool. I'd, I'd really like to. Yeah. That's that's the goal. Well, the goal last year was to do summer, but just materials alone completely Well, you've also had a lot going on, too, uh, with some of your other jobs and a lot of moving and, and a lot of new things going on, too. I did quit my job, but I got another one. Smart man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I did switch careers and uh, moved into something that's a little bit more time-consuming, but it's still... The risk-reward's a little bit more elevated, too. It is, but yeah. it still frees up more time for the bees because yeah. I now have a very long four-day work week. Yeah. So I get those extra three days at home. How'd your bees do coming out of last winter into the spring? Uh, pretty well. Yeah. So I wish I could give you numbers, but that's just too far back. It seems, you know, here we are, it's it's December, and trying to think back on all the things that happened, there's like some uh, really big high points, and um, there's a lot of things that I think we would all probably like to do a little different, And um, but that's just, that that's every year. You yeah. Know, you learn, you're, you kind of earn your stripes and just, you know, kind of keep keep going with it. Um, how did your spring look like? What was your, what was your, how the, how were the bees doing? What was the build out like? From what I recall, it was actually pretty good. Uh, we had a pretty quick buildup. Uh, it got a little overwhelming at times at home. So I definitely reached a point where the bees were getting very testy. And I was wondering if it was queen concerns or not. And since I kind of saw it spread across the whole yard, 
I did a count, and I think we were running about 30 hives out of one yard there. And with the monoculture and a few other beekeepers local to me, I just realized that we hit our carrying capacity. So We also had a massive swarm of cicadas. Yes. I can remember we were working on your building, and the bees were just not happy. No, and they were coming after us. They were putting up, after, uh, putting up the trusses. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? I noticed there's a lot of beekeepers that were saying, our hives are getting tested all of a sudden. What's going on? Did you have them here? A little bit. Not not a lot. There's a weird cycle. I don't know what it is or there's someone smarter than me that clearly knows what's going on. But everyone said cicadas are going to be a nightmare this year. And they were. And the bees were already testy, though, before they showed up. And it really leaned towards, I thought, which was overcrowding in the yard. No, we ended up uh, shrinking that yard substantially and uh, kind of able to uh, secure some land in another spot. And we drove them out well, about 15 minutes across the county to uh, our first out yard. Yeah. So we dropped, I think, what, 16 hives there. That's great. So the first year you get another out yard and the cicadas are winding down. And did it seem to help the Oh, substantially. The yeah. 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 And I order queens from a queen breeder I know pretty locally. That, and they have some pretty good queens. <laughs> Thank you for the shameless plugs. Yes. And so we broke them down and we popped into queens and all them. And because uh, the home yard queens, they were two, three years old, uh, I specifically went after the ones that weren't stellar. So as we were breaking them down, we were pinching queens and building five-frame nukes and ten-frame boxes. Yeah. And then... We load them all up, and that was the first time I actually ever used pallets. We built them and took them out on pallets, and we had a skid steer out there waiting for us from the farmer that owns the property. Happens also to be a family member, and we were able to unload them and get them set out there. Yeah. It was super easy and convenient, and I'm kind of starting to like working pallets a little bit. A little bit. So you took 16 colonies to a new uh, to a new out yard, yep. and you're starting to... Uh, you're working on you're starting out trying to figure out how 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 to work pallets. It's different. It you is know, from very working much a hive so. stand or however whatever your configuration you know normally is. It's a lot different. Yeah, working pallets, and so you're getting to have a lot of new experiences trying to figure out workflow, but then also moving them around is kind yeah. of a uh, another thing to kind of because I'm thinking this year out. they're going to have to get moved from where they're at currently, but it's. Not a large enough move to where I have to load them up. It's literally just picking them up with a skid steer and driving them to a new part of the farm. Yeah. Depending on what's going to be cropped in that field. You know, I was um, on the fence starting with pallets. Um, but I, I think what's nice about them is if you have the equipment, a tractor or a forklift or a skid steer, uh, something to move them around in. Even if it's not the most picture perfect uh, setup, it's great to be able to take an entire yard and move it to a new yard for whatever reason. Yeah. Whether the, we had, the, the flow was just completely weird this year. And it was this, very this, unusual. I mean, so we started off early, you know, at Easter, we started grafting and started um, getting everything kind of ramped up and the Queens did great. Um, but then it almost seemed like by the time we got to mid June for us here, where we're at, it was almost like lights out. Mm-hmm. There was nothing. Either it got uh, warm and dry or we were nothing but heavy rain. And so it seemed like we were lacking in pollen and lacking in nectar, um, which is a, a big, big challenge trying to grow the bee yard out and make, make all those splits yeah. and then um, maintain them. And then, um, well, let's not even talk about the fall flow. 
There's nothing yeah. to say because there was none. I had, it was there, just barely. Yeah, there. It was like the tap was dripping. It was real poor here. It was. Yeah. It was so. It was. It was not good. It was enough to where our bees stopped drawing new foundation. They just completely stopped dead in their tracks. They they were just and, stagnant. Yep. Yeah. There was no growth, nothing, and it was. It kind of had me a little bit worried with that new bee yard I started up, in, uh I think the mid to end of July. Yeah. So, how the rest of the summer kind of unfold going into the fall for you there? Uh, good. We did. Uh, we did all right with summer uh, honey. Uh, I want to say we we pulled in like seven or eight hundred pounds. Yeah. Nothing spectacular to write home about, but we still got something to sell. Fall was dismal with a hundred pounds. Yeah. So, but also at the same time, the fall flow, we had some hives already broken down that were in production previously that weren't there. Yeah. The hard part about having the fall flow so poor is, you know, we are not seasoned beekeeping veterans. No, not in those you know, You know, we, you and I have been keeping bees for less than 10 years still. Mm-hmm. And even at the 10-year mark or 20-year mark, we probably st- will still feel like beginning beekeepers to a certain extent. But as you try to get a picture of a baseline of what the nectar is doing, what the pollen is doing, mm-hmm. about what times they do it, to give you some kind of idea of consistency, you realize there really isn't any consistency. You know, you can't bank on... X amount of this or X amount of that. And the trick of that is if you are in the business of making bees or making queens and you are banking or hopefully banking, you're trying, you may be aggressive on how hard you split everything out mm-hmm. um, and then you don't have a flow or the light or lights are out. That's pretty challenging, especially if you're banking on fall flow to come in to bolster everything up to get them through the winter. Mm-hmm. And then what you end up doing is just feeding the tar out of everybody. Is this a personal experience? (sighs) It's been a rough year. Yeah. It's been a rough year. But, um, so you're, you're, you have your home yard, you've got the new out yard. Yep. You get them kind of, um, kind of broke out, split out. Did you feel like the, the colonies at the home yard started to smooth out when you, Oh, the temperament changed within a month immediately. Yeah. So, and, it changed, and we still had cicadas in the area too. It was the last little bit of them petering out, but it was how a whole old were some yard. of the queens that you had in that yard? Do you think uh, two, three years old? I'm seeing a huge difference uh, in two and three year old queens mm-hmm. um, versus one year old queens, mm-hmm. and I think I'm gonna just employ something that I've learned from Bob Benny is requeen annually every year. Their, 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 their production, um, what I'm seeing just in brood alone is incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, a two-year and a three-year-old queen, yes, they're going to produce. Um, but it seems like the percentages that they start to kind of dwindle um, is one thing. That, that's one component. But also the overall hive demeanor mm-hmm. changes too. Oh, yeah. They're a little bit more – they've got a little bit more attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also um, definitely have a much greater tendency of swarming. Yes. Or absconding. Yes, I don't know what it is about two years. They seem flightier. Right. Those first-year queens, I mean, you can almost do no wrong. They're just super producers. Mm-hmm. You know, that gets tricky, you know, at a certain scale. If you aren't producing your own queens or you don't have a source yeah. for good quality queens, that can be that can be a real challenge. You know, mm-hmm. where do I source queens? Where, What kind of queens are they? Are they going to do well for me? That can be that can yeah. be a little bit tricky for someone. But it sounds like you know a guy, and you got some pretty decent queens, and hopefully it helped out the, the overall outlook. Oh, yeah. Not no. only to finish up last year 
but they start giving you some good bees to get through the winter to come out into the yep. spring. So, and we're definitely going to be getting a lot more queens next year too. Well, so. good queens really, I think, do make a huge difference. Yeah. yeah. The rough plan so far is, so, and the whole shortage of trying to get materials and things like that, I had a realization that if I'm going to be palletizing, I'm going to be needing equipment, other things like that to move the operation along. Uh, I started calling around and started doing my due diligence and trying to find equipment. You found something because you're wearing a good-looking hat there. Yeah. Well, the shortage hit everybody. We talked to a few. Uh, I decided a skid steer would probably be the best way to go just because it's going to be used for more than just the bees. Right. And it's quite universal. Uh, and I got all the way up to two-year waits. Yep. And... As much as I'd say, it just doesn't slice the cheese. And neighbor got a new one a couple of years, well, about a year back. And I played in it a little bit, actually set roof trusses for us. And I really liked it. So we ended up having to go get a Kubota skid steer. On tracks. On tracks. Which is nice. Oh, it's so smooth. The only thing that's better than uh, buying a brand new skid steer on tracks mm-hmm. is when your buddy does. Yes. <laughs> And I, I, yeah, and it's free delivery to your buddy's farm. Oh man, that was great. Yeah, we we enjoyed uh, using that thing. Yes, um, for some uh, for some new work there. That I'm was sure your son's handy. asking for one for Christmas. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So you you got the you got them you got the bees straightened around. You got them kind of cooled off. Mm-hmm. You got them you know split out separate yards. They're producing yep. a little bit better. Their their attitudes have been adjusted. Um, how, how do you feel like you did getting them ready for winter, and what did you do? Is that a no? Is that a it's we'll a, see? Yeah, it's a we'll see. How the see. spring does? Yeah. <laughs> Give me a few more months, and I'll tell you if I was ready uh, or not. It's just, it, as normal, it came too quick. There's too much going on. Uh, it's not like we had since July to prepare for it or yeah. anything either. And I think part of it, too, is I was holding on a lot of hope to that maybe a fall flow would appear. Mm-hmm. And it definitely did not. So, how long did it take you to finally accept the fact that there was not a decent flow? And when did you pull your supers off? Uh, probably about a week or two after all the goldenrod turned brown. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably a pretty good sign if the goldenrod's not going to do anything, <laughs> is when the plant turns brown. That starts dying back and yeah. already past seeding. And yeah. So, no, I definitely should have probably done it sooner. Uh, I was really, really banking on the fact that Goldenrod would fill a second deep for the first out yard that we built. And I think we maybe had like three or four frames out of each 10 frame double deep on top, if that makes any sense whatsoever, that was filled. So they all immediately got knocked back down to a single deep. Is that what you went in the winter with mostly singles? Yeah. Everything at the home yard is a uh, deep and a medium super. And then the out yard, since they wouldn't fill that out. And it were yours taking uh, uh, sugar water or any kind of syrup? They did constantly, but mm-hmm. they... Um, Would they stay stagnant in size? They they took the sugar water. They, they, we, we fed... Um, we're, well, I'm not, I guess I'm not too proud to admit it. We're a little lazy when it comes to feeding, mm-hmm. which is why I think why the bucket feeders are so handy. Because I can just put the feet on, and if they take it, great. And if they don't, great. Mm-hmm. What I noticed is uh, 
the feet pro suite is what we use. So mm-hmm. we're just, I, I would like to get to the point where I had enough time to see if I can't stretch that out, mm-hmm. maybe come down to a one to one or a two to one, but pro suite's like a three to one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, they built out great in the spring. They built a ton of wax with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, uh, the B numbers just, they boomed when it came time to the fall, which is when most folks switch to a thicker feed, yeah. which is what pro suite is. The the goldenrod flow was so sketchy that there would be like a day where they would hit it and then they would like leave it alone. So over the course of like three weeks, they would finally finish a one gallon bucket. Now when they are hungry, hungry, um, and they're taking feed like early spring, yeah, you know that bucket will be it can be three four three days, four days. It could be a week depending mm-hmm. on what's out there. So yes, they were taking pro sweet, um, but they were feeding at kind of a roller coaster interval um and then the hives that were in the worst shape would, would empty the buckets quicker and the ones yeah. that had just enough store there was enough coming in they, they seemed to just keep it in reserve a little bit so we had the sugar to the uh that out yard the entire time and it just seemed like a one-to-one yeah yeah or, or probably, you're, you're probably mixing a two to one or somewhere. There one and a half to somewhere one. Under, yeah. yeah. Uh, the entire time, though, they just, they would they'd take it in, but they wouldn't grow. They had the same size all through fall. Hmm. Wouldn't get any larger, wouldn't get any smaller. So, and of course, we did the precautionary before we went and treated, went through, and we only had one hive that had a ridiculous mite count, but everything else was ones and zeros. Really? Yeah. And then home yard was the same story, but then we'll get into that later about treating mites because that was because give I'm it a few to weeks. Forget about that, yeah. Still. <clears throat> but I don't feel stellar about getting prepared for winter, but I know that I'm I'm still in a lot better you're somewhere. Place. Yes, you probably feel like you're. Every year, it seems like you do a little bit better. You get a little further ahead. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like no matter what you do, you're not where you want to be, but you end up landing somewhere that's hopefully good enough. Mm-hmm. And we just do the things that we can do uh, throughout the winter time and early spring to see if we can't give them a a good shot of it coming out of it. Uh, I did shim all the hives that don't have a second super on it, so that entire out yard got shimmed with the mountain camp method. Yeah. Because it's just a, it's an insurance policy you can't beat. It seems to be, I mean, if we combine the years of beekeeping between us and the amount of colonies that we've put dry sugar on versus not, mm-hmm. and and maybe you've had a different experience, but it seems like what I've one thing I've seen year after year is the colonies that have a little bit of sugar left, or a lot of sugar left, yeah, are the ones that are booming and exploding and look mm-hmm. awesome. The colonies that there's absolutely no sugar left in it, they're dead. They're are, are dead out. They end up starving yeah. out. Um, so you know maybe we could do better on checking in on those stores and making sure they've got enough through mm-hmm. um, kind of throughout that. It seems like it's a right about Valentine's Day to the first of March seems to be the deal breaker for mm-hmm. them. You know we can go out right now. It's um, it's easy to feel good about where the bee yards are right now because we haven't kind of hit the trouble spots oh, yeah. quite yet but we've had some horrendous weather i mean we've the roller coasters that we've had we've been uh high teens all the way to 70 degrees 
Yeah. In a two-day period. I mean, that's ridiculous. Funny you should mention weather, just because it made me think of something. What We did something this year that I don't think we've done in a very, very long time, at least back to when I know I first started. What's that? I bought equipment. Yeah. I bought boxes. Yeah. Uh, I was quite proud that up until this year, every box on my farm, except for a handful I've made. And I know you are very similar too. Yeah. But along with building boxes, we made a huge change to our approach too. Well, you get, uh, I think you and I are at a point to where we're in these weird little transitions as we scale up. Yeah. To where now we're talking about um, moving bees on pallets. Yeah. We're literally um, ordering supplies by the pallet. Mm Mm-hmm. We're um, getting hundreds and hundreds of gallons of feed at a time mm-hmm. rather than mixing dry sugar. So we're at, at a point to where we're so short on time um, that we're putting a little extra money out on inputs um, to actually get the equipment and get the products out into the yard. Mm-hmm. And it's it's we're just, I feel like, into that scale where it really makes you know a lot of sense. I was thinking, well, it made me think of the weather thing, but we're adding things that still take time. This is our first year wax dipping. It's been, I, yeah, that was great. Uh, when we spent time uh, now with Cayman Reynolds, uh, and he, he showed me the ins and the outs, how, exactly how he does it. We kind of took that back um, here to the farm, and we, you know, <laughs> we tried to modify a couple different mm-hmm. um, ways to do that. If you want to see more in detail, you can check out our YouTube channel at Nature's Image Farm. You can see Dan and Greg. <laughs> Just going through having a good time, wax dipping a bunch of boxes. Try not to deep fry our fingers. <laughs> not trying to deep deep fry your fingers. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. That was a fun yeah. video to yeah. watch back too. And we it had, was a fun time. It was a fun one to make. And yeah, um, between the both of us, we've at this point have wax dipped hundreds and hundreds and mm-hmm. hundreds of boxes, deeps and mediums and lids and bottoms and you name it. And I I, I really like it because I, I love the way a box looks when it's wax dipped. Mm-hmm. Um, versus um, when they kind of get older and run down or painted. But um, they, they, they kind of develop. They get a little bit darker and richer and warmer, too. I remember yeah. the first ones that, I've, that I ever seen um, was when I was down uh, in Florida uh, visiting uh, Indian Summer Honey Farms, Chris Warner and family and all mm-hmm. them, when I was down there with Bob Benny. And I got to see just loads and loads. and I mean, just thousands of hives, all wax-dipped. got to see how they do it. And I thought, man, well, if you have an outfit like Chris Werner and family, yeah. and they're taking the time to wax dip boxes, and we're talking three, 4,000 hives, migratory beekeepers from Wisconsin to Florida. There's, it's probably for good reason. And then got the visit with Cayman. He showed me how he does yeah. it too. And then, um, you know, came back to the farm, and you and I kind of powwow and see what we could do. We tried to rig up an old uh, job box, um, which is ideal. You know, I didn't have, didn't have much oh, money yeah. in it at all. You know, a regular job box that you'd store your tools in and mm-hmm. things, and um, but that thing just wouldn't hold water. Nope. Just the junky, crappy steel. I don't Chinese steel, Taiwanese. I don't know what it was. Chinesium. Chinesium. Mm-hmm. I mean, you fought that thing constantly to get yep. any kind of a weld to stick. Yep, and hopefully the new one will be done in about a week. Yep, you've been busy um, building up a new one. I can remember getting to the point to where I think as I get a little bit older and I get okay with acknowledging when something's not working mm-hmm. uh the older i get 
the more experience I get, the faster I get to that point to where I say, okay, stop, let's yep. do something different. But we spent the better part of a day oh, yeah. trying to get that job box straightened around. That and was then, me, you, and Mike. Yeah. And then uh, Jeremy Hill was over and he was helping us yep. out too. And, you know, over in the resource accumulation pile at the farm, mm-hmm. I had an old uh, maple syrup evaporator that was just a, uh, a glorified fruit cart. I mean, it is a fruit cart. Yeah. Just sitting there, stainless, already yep. machine welded and beautiful, you know. And like, let's stop. Let's just, okay, call it quits on the job box. We'll just store tools in it. Yeah. Let's get this thing in place. And then almost within minutes, we're waxed up in boxes, mm-hmm. put a heat source underneath, get the wax in, go to town. Um, and it's been great. It's limitations. It's it's shallow. So we yep. have to flip our boxes over. Um but it's worked out great, and it's got us a good learning experience and figure out what we like, what we don't like. We're not um, going to have that problem with the next one. I'm sure we'll have new problems. We'll sort through and figure oh, yeah. out and, 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 and do all that. But I think regardless, whether it's a 50-gallon drum, uh, a recycled fruit cart, mm-hmm. or if you uh, custom make something, I think there's a lot of value to wax dipping boxes. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've just to watch water just bead right off, it's it's pretty cool. And I still got some of the original ones sitting outside that have, that's all they do is sit in the weather. Yeah. They're constantly shedding water, mm-hmm. not absorbing any. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I love paint. You know, there, there's time and place maybe for color and paint mm-hmm. and things if that's what you like. But um, yeah. And especially we, we got a branding iron, sort of branding all of our boxes yeah. and then dipping them. They just, it looks, I mean, there there is a certain cool factor, I think, um, with that. But we're at the point to where, we're building equipment that we know needs to last. Mm-hmm. It's worth a little bit of time to wax dip them, a little bit of extra money to make sure that we have something. When I went down to the Warners and seen how they were using wax boxes, also got to visit with John Knox down at the Knox Honey Farm. Yeah. And he was showing me stuff that his dad wax dipped 30 years That's ago. That's insane. I mean, 30 years yeah. ago that they just now and they're getting that need, out of the box. need to redip mm-hmm. and i'm looking at that box and i'm thinking what's wrong with that box no, that box looks better than some of my three and four year old five six year old boxes that i painted mm-hmm. you know so I, there, I think there's a lot of value in that so if you want more information you want to check that out check out our youtube video at nature's image farm you can see uh all the, the good times we had um kind of doing that but it's fun when you get to a point where you're starting to scale up um it's it can be a little daunting though because when you start to get to it we're at the point to where it's costing us a lot of money to scale up. Yeah. But. And I, I don't want to say I'm scaling up. I'd, I'd say it's more I'm scaling sideways because I'm cutting other ventures out of the farm and focusing more effort onto the B side of things. Well, you're scaling your B yard up for sure. Yes. But I'm also scaling other things down. Right. Substantially. Well, you, ha- you, ha- you have to. Yeah. There's only so much time in the day. You know, uh, you, me, a lot of us have other businesses mm-hmm. that we're running while growing a B yard business or a B business. Um, and you, there's only so much time in the day. You can't do everything all the time. Oh yeah. And if you try, you'll, at least I found is you can't do much of it. Well, no. So it's worth kind of cutting, cutting things back and focus on the things that if it's a business that are making you money, you know, the things that are, that you really enjoy doing, Mm -hmm. um, finding that combination that, that, that happy balance to where you love doing it. It's profitable, or at least it's not costing you money. That's kind of where we're at. Yeah, and that's where we get back to you know the idea of, of a force multiplier. You know, the skid steer 
yeah, um, yeah. That, that you have is not just a, a tool that you can use to move pallets around, but you know, you can use it on the farm and mm-hmm. build up infrastructure and all the things that you need to. Yeah. I'm sure that thing was handier than a shirt pocket, uh, getting your honey house graded out and moving stone oh, gosh, and cutting yeah. a driveway. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and it's, it's going to be used a lot for that. Yeah. So, so well, your bees are ready for winter. They're in winter. You, they're, you I don't know if they're pretty, ready, but they're in winter. You're feeling pretty good. How are you ready for winter? No. So we're in the same boat. Uh, just no. It just surprised. It's you. been one of those years where it, it's it's one of the years I sometimes get after myself because I the year blows by so quick, and when I get to the point where I want to reflect and remember it, there's already been so much water under the bridge. It's hard to really appreciate all the little things that happen throughout the year. We started off this year just with some tremendous opportunities. Yeah. Started off uh, speaking at the Utah State Beekeepers Association Conference, mm-hmm. and that was just an amazing opportunity to speak with guys like Ian Stepler, Randy Oliver, Tom Seeley. Yeah. Like, that was incredible. Oh, yeah. That was, that was I'll never forget that. You know, the first time it was really up there with names. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that, was, that was pretty. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, did a couple more speaking engagements throughout the year, like locally, B clubs and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, really enjoyed that. When you get into the first part of spring, you know, we were already um, planning on kind of changing th- some things up on uh, some of the equipment that mm-hmm. we were running. We were primarily running eight framers and five frame boxes, um, but really wanted to kind of leaning a little bit more towards 10 frame equipment just to kind of keep everything consistent, consistent in the first part of 2021, we had an amazing opportunity to go down to the hive life conference. Uh-huh. You can check out our previous episodes um, where we talk about all about that, but that led to some building some amazing relations, relationships with folks and connections uh, we got to travel around with. I uh, got to go interview Bob Benny, yeah, Cayman Reynolds, uh, Tennessee Tim McCandless, um, and then Bob invited me to go on a road trip with him to go learn from guys in Florida and and, and film an interview for Bob's channel. Mm-hmm. Chris Runner, John Knox, Jamie Ellis, Ray Latner with Daynet. So I got to learn how these the big guys are doing things, how commercial beekeepers are running their business, their outfits. Um, their equipment that they're using, logistics, things like that. And that was a, an incredible opportunity. Um, there's so many great guys that we met along the way. Uh, Pete Ellis um, down there with uh, Indian Summer Honey Farms. Of course, Chris Warner, all of his sons and daughters, a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. You learned a lot about how, how a family, um, you know, uh, an, an entire family, sons, grandsons, daughters, the whole thing. Can run a business and do it moving back and forth from Wisconsin to Florida. I mean, it was an incredible thing to be able to to see and learn and be a part of. And um, there's there's just I could spend all day talking about all the things and all the people. Um, it was a great opportunity um, spending some time with um, what I'm calling Bob Benny and the Blue Ridge All Stars mm-hmm. because the the group of guys that he has working with him. Oh, they're amazing. They're great dudes. They're some of the nicest guys I've been. Had a lot of fun with them. So Jesse, Seth, John. Um, and, and everybody else there, if you're listening, man, we we really enjoyed the time that we spent. Um, doing, Even though we're Yankees, we had a lot of fun <laughs> down there with you. That was a great time. I got to go back later in the year and actually work the bee yards with them all, um, and that was just incredible. That's where I really started to cut my teeth mm-hmm. um, on working pallets, workflow, um, 
it was a great opportunity working with Bob mm-hmm. and them, trying just learning how to get through a yard. Mm-hmm. It, that it, there's an art to that. It's yeah. not just crack open a lid and go through high. There's a there's, there's a way you can kind of more meticulously go through, mark, organize, know mm-hmm. what's going on. That was a huge opportunity. Yeah. So I got really excited and on fire. Um, I could you know on that drive home just remember just million miles an hour. Just no, oh, I talked to you for a little bit on the and you were just a glazed over Greg. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, you could say our life direction and um, approach in beekeeping hit a massive fork in the road and it was mm-hmm. pedal to the metal and a brand new direction. You just felt a piece and you felt um, that this is where I need to be going. And it was just awesome. Just mm-hmm. down the road. Um, so we started really getting into 10 frame equipment and just running things completely different than we had in the past. Now we, we still run five framers and, and still make Queens for the most part and still use up, you know, some of that equipment, but, um, it's been really nice getting everything uniform. Yeah. This coming year, it's all going to be, it's going to be even more uniform because what a trick that we've learned from the Warners is taking a 10 frame box and splitting it into three and using that for, to make nukes and Queens. Mm-hmm. It's all the same box. If you need that box for anything else, you pull your dividers out, you stack them. Every box all the time is already ready to go. It could be a brood box. It could be a deep super if you wanted it. It could be uh, uh, set up to raise nukes. It could be set up to raise queens. To, to me, that made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how we moved. Our, a lot of our um, equipment is going that route. I'll still use up the you probably some of the three framers and five framers and things like that. But that wasn't. So we started off the year. You know, being able to kind of share our experience um, through speaking engagements, got to travel around the country. Um, we got to interview a lot of folks, got mm-hmm. to learn from a lot of folks. Um, the Hive Live Conference was an amazing opportunity. And now it's like that was before we really got crazy beekeeping. Yeah. Yeah. What do we have looking forward to with uh, your interviews coming up? Well, there's. Um, We've got one. Uh, by the time this airs, there's going to be um, a couple more um, that are going to uh, be published. But um, had a great opportunity um, later on in, in the summer to sit down with Jeff Johnson with Premier Bee Foundation and um, got to dig in. And, and it, it's a super fascinating conversation mm-hmm. on how Jeff got his start, um, how he got to where he is with Premier Bee. Uh, I'm really interested great. to hear it because I have not heard the interview at all. And I specifically asked not to. Yeah, no spoilers, uh, nothing. I this is my first year actually ever running Premiere, and I ran it side by side with Acorn. Yeah, and side by side with Acorn double waxed, so it's pretty much the same product going in there. Yeah, and uh, I had quite a pretty stellar experience with Premiere because all the deeps I put out this year at the uh, the out yard were all Premiere. You know, we go into detail. Yeah. on um, the trials that we ran to get to the point to where we started off just trying some. Mm-hmm. And we went from trying some to buying pallets. Yeah. That's a big deal. And I've been running plastic for a while. Yeah. And I've I've had similar experiences with all the plastic manufacturers before. Because uh, I've ran Acorn and I've ran Pierco, I've ran Right Cell. Uh and they were all pretty much similar. And I know in previous episodes we've talked about Premiere, and I'm I was really hesitant to say 
anything good or bad until I actually see how it does for a full year. Got a whole year under our belt with it now, I'm, including extraction. Yeah, I'm I'm quite impressed between everything, and uh, I'm pretty sure that's the direction we're going to be pushing is exclusively premiere from now on just because it makes a lot of sense it draws so much faster it's it seems to be a better product it's easier to snap in oh it goes in so nice there's there's forethought put into a lot of it before they just said make this pattern and print it what's interesting um and uh check out the interview with jeff johnson because we kind of dive into exactly why we think or believe that Premiere is better. Um, but you talk about guys that came into a business as mm-hmm. non-beekeepers. Yeah. Sometimes you need fresh eyes. You yeah. need a brand new, fresh approach that has just enough distance from a situation to kind of look through it and provide a solution mm-hmm. to something. And I, I think that's absolutely incredible. What I do know is you could have not sold me on plastic foundation for anything. Never. I don't want to hear oh, it. Oh, I know, because I've tried. You've tried for years yeah. to get me to plastic, and yeah. I, did, I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we ran... Well, this guy, Jeff, comes out of the woodwork, and you're all ears. This guy, Jeff, <laughs> just... You know, the great thing about it is I didn't just let Dan decide. Mm-hmm. I didn't let me decide. I let the bees choose. Yeah. Um, and that's the, that, that, that's the big thing. When and, these bees are choosing, are literally... And these trials, when we're checkerboarding, Pierco Acorn Wax mm-hmm. Foundation that I have used and swore by yeah. for years, and Premier Foundation, to see the bees choose in that box, Premier, box after box after box mm-hmm. after box, I'm thinking, okay, great. That is that is telling me what I need to know. And I still have one of the brands sitting at home, and I believe I gave you a couple cases of it. Yeah. But it's... And the entire year... Whoever does their social media and whatever they do at Pierco or Pierco Premiere is fantastic because I've tried to ignore everything they've done for an entire year. Yeah. Because I just want to see how it does in the B yard. Yeah. And that's my deciding factor. Yeah. And after having the year wrapped up, I'm actually quite interested because now they're putting out some really good content. They've got some great videos. Yeah. Uh, uh, with with uh, the the eighties, one of the, the largest yes. beekeeper um, yes. in the country. That's a great uh, interview mm-hmm. and tour. You guys can check that out on uh, Premier's YouTube channel. Excellent video. Um, I really can't say a good an, enough good things about them. Not only are the bees choosing to use that product, um, but if you have a question, if you want to know more about it, they're there to help. They're there mm-hmm. and they want to see you do well. And they're not just trying to you know sell you a, a smoking used car. Yeah, they will. That you will feel good um, about making that decision, and I like it because I going down the natural beekeeping and the small cell and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's still merits to that. But when I let the bees choose exactly what they want to do, and the bees are going towards plastic Premier Double Wax Foundation, mm-hmm. that's what I. It takes me out of the equation and yeah. what I think, and it it I love it because. It just is so fast to install now. Oh, yeah. It is just so incredibly quick. And if you want to, for whatever reason, flip that out and put a new sheet in, I mean, it's seconds to pop it out, put a new one in. Mm-hmm. You go about it. You can still reuse your frame. Yep. You know, if you do want to um, harvest the wax, you can 
scrape all the wax right off the foundation, render it, do what you want to do, and put that frame right back in a hive, put it back into use. For some reason, if your bees get by you um, and you do have any kind of loss and you've got funky frames, you know, it's a lot different when the core of the frame is plastic Mm -hmm. than it is with fully wax. Some of those fully wax ones like I've had in the past, they get absolutely destroyed and are devastated mm-hmm. with hive beetles and wax moths, and they just get to be where they're unusable. Yeah. But if you, if you, you know, God forbid, you're in a situation where you've got some foundation that's funky because of a dead out when it's on mm-hmm. plastic, it's no problem. You yeah. Scrape it off, clean it off, put it back into use, you're good to go. Um, we've needed a lot of help from force multipliers this year to kind of get us. Um, to where we did, we started yeah. off, um, you know, after all those amazing learning and educational trips and the filming that we did with Bob, mm-hmm. um, and, and for his, his YouTube channel, um, sitting down with Cayman and everybody else. Now we had to get back to the farm and get back to our beekeeping mm-hmm. and kind of get going, you know, we're getting all the equipment kind of built out. We're going towards 10 frames. We're wax dipping. Um, we're getting, you know, all of our splits made. We're making Queens, getting everything ready for queen cells and our new yeah. cells. And then we 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 have our annual Greg and uh, Dan's excellent bee adventure where we uh, deliver packages to a bunch of states. I, that's so fun. Oh yeah, meeting with folks and going on a road trip. Um, it's Castle did it live this year. That was actually that a was lot great. Of fun. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that. If you want yeah. to see what that looks like, check out uh, the Castle Hives YouTube channel. Um, he went live um, when he was there waiting for us to bring packages. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Brian Coper over at Castle is a great guy. I, I love his approach with his beekeeping channel um, because he's just um, open, honest. He's just yeah. he's just sharing what he's doing, um, and that's that's encouraging because um, mm-hmm. as as a beginning beekeeper, you know that you don't have the answers. You oh, know yeah. that you don't know, um, but some folks try to share information as though they are the leading or the official yes stance or source of the information, and they've been beekeeping for a year or two. Mm-hmm. That's that's a problem. Um, yeah. I shouldn't say it's a problem, but what happens is if whoever's watching those videos, if they don't know the context of mm-hmm. the video and they see someone is doing a certain method or a certain way, like that can be sometimes harmful. Yeah. I don't want to ever discourage anybody from creating content at all. Yeah. It's just something that's it's one of those things where that's the reality of it. And it's hard to kind of see through that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, um, but there's a lot, lot of great content creators out there that are just humbly and honestly sharing their mm-hmm. approach, good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. Um, and I actually, you know, I, I'm really excited um, for a lot more collaborations um, yeah. with folks. Um, recently, uh, Clark's Honey and Such tagged us in a video. He, they did a uh, John Clark did a a neat little Christmas video where it was. Um, all these little stocking stuffers and gifts uh-huh. for beekeepers, and um, he added us to the list and our bucket plugs, and that's it's oh, nice. fun just building relations. Oh, I, yeah. I think I enjoy more than that. I, I love the bees and I love making bees, mm-hmm. but I think what I enjoy the most is is meeting with folks, uh, being a part of their life, being a part of their journey, doing what I can to help them out. Those collaborations, those connections. Well, everyone has a unique and interesting story about how they got into beekeeping. Oh yeah, and that's that's personally what I really love to enjoy yep. and. It's just been really fascinating finding that. If it's, it seems like our the YouTube channel is, while we do want to share um, some of the basics, beekeeping basics, kind mm-hmm. of the things that we do and share our journey as we grow, I feel like 
almost uh, really passionate and uh, you know in my heart i'm tugged to talk with more people and get their understand why they do things but Mm -hmm. understand what's in the heart and the mind of the beekeeper yeah and we recently um just published one of the most powerful stories that i've heard with tim for tennessee tim mccandless if you haven't seen that video check out uh, beekeeping saved my life with with tim mccandless um that was an incredible story you know um i don't i don't don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it yet but um but what's unique is Tim's a very unique individual, but his story is not just unique to him. And that's something I kind of see through the veterans community, too, is I never realized how many vets are into beekeeping. And it is a massive, massive amount. And this might be a little secret for a lot of people, which I don't really tell, is that I'm a vet also. And it's a a, military veteran. Yes. Not not a horse veteran. Not a veterinarian. Yes. But if you were a horse veteran, you could probably make a killing cell in ivermectin right now. Could I? Or glue. Or glue. Yes. Right. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a lot of folks that are coming into our life or we're going to be able to, to hear their story. Yeah. Um, you, mm-hmm. um, every, a lot of us get to a point in life where um, almost uh, tra- tragedy strikes or we're mm-hmm. at a point to where, um, you know, life, our life as we know it is almost, the rug is almost swept out from underneath of us. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, life looks different, and we go down a different road, and it seems like there are a lot of beekeepers that have had that happen to them. They've yeah. all, it's, just, it's, it's incredible to, for, for folks to be open enough to share. Um, Did you ever read that, uh, oh, what was it, that brochure I sent to you? I'm trying to think. It was in like the, uh, I sent you the link. It was like in the Cornell Library or something like that. Oh, right. You remember that, that one? Was it uh, World War II vets? No, it was 1918, so that would have been World War One. Wow. It was a beekeeping magazine that had, uh, oh, I'll, I'll try to find the link for Greg on this one, but it was uh, the therapeutic values through like the Department of War right. for veterans of yep. beekeeping and the adaptive equipment they have made for veterans coming back. What was interesting about that article is it was actually um, – not only was it set up as, um, can we call it therapy? Yeah. Um, rehab, re- whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. But there was also um, a start your own business kind of approach yeah. where these things can be turned in uh, to something that you can do as an occupation mm-hmm. once you come back. It was a how-to guide to it make money and also cool. help the war effort. Yeah, right. it was one of the most fascinating things. And I've, I've heard for years it's been out there and finally to see it. There is something about these darn little bugs in a box that mm-hmm. seem to know they 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 resonate. They speak to us. The, there's something about it that just it's so incredibly helpful and beneficial mm-hmm. um, to us. I know we're really excited about the upcoming Hive Life Conference in January uh, down in Sevierville, Tennessee. Um, what, what's the name of the city? Sevierville. Sevierville. That is not Sevierville. what I've been saying. I keep asking. Sarahville. Came, how do you? You know, we've been through there. A bunch of times. Yeah. It's uh, uh, Severville, Severville, you know what? Yep. I asked Cayman, how do you say that? Severville. Alrighty then. That's the, a new one for me. Severville, Tennessee. And um, that's that's going to be awesome. There's going to be so many great speakers. Bob Benny, mm-hmm. Ian Stepler, Kent Williams, Rick Sutton, uh, Dirt Rooster. I think Mr. Ed's going to be down there. There's gonna be, I'm, I'm, I know I'm missing. Uh, Nature's Image Farm will have a booth set up. And we're actually going to do something a little different where it's a little cross collab between 
the podcast, the Contrary Beekeeper Show, and Nature's Image Farm, all in the same booth, and we're going to set up a collaboration corner where we're inviting content creators, beekeepers mm-hmm. with stories. Come by, see us, sit down. Let's talk about bees. Let's talk about your story. Mm-hmm. Um, let's collaborate. You know, bring yeah. a camera. We'll do a double thing. What? Just uh, life is so much richer. I think with more folks in it and collaborating with each other and just being a part of each other's storyline, I think is awesome. Um, so if you are heading down to the Hive Life Conference, be sure to stop by our booth, say hi. Um, if there's something that you want to share, we'll get you in front of a mic. We'll have a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll also be down there uh, selling, slinging bucket feeders and plugs and uh, some plug. other supplies. We'll be the Oprah of of plugs, of plugs and, yep. and bucket feeders as everyone gets boom, boom, boom. Everybody gets a plug. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Um, we were talking about veterans and, and things like that, too. Really excited about March 5th at the Hives for Heroes benefit. Uh, we'll be speaking along with uh, Bob Benny and Ian Stepler, Cayman Reynolds, Matt Lance, Buzz Vance. There's going to be uh, some great vendors there, too. That's going to be out in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, for more information on that, you can go to our uh, website at naturesimagefarm.com. Click on events. You can see where we're speaking. We'll have all the links there, too. But I, I really enjoy uh, just sitting down and meeting with folks. That's it's 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 so rewarding. I wish there was more time uh, mm-hmm. to do all that. Yeah, all those are kind of done in like the off beekeeping season, just yeah. like it was um, this year. But it, it's been one heck of a year. By the time that we you know got our nukes out, our queens out, uh, you and I went on the package run. Um, we had some some pretty exciting things happen um, at the farm, which kind of put us down a whole new road mm-hmm. on opportunities, kind of moving forward. But we were able to move, or we're in the progress of moving from um, our current farm to a whole brand new farm. Um, and at this new place, there's just so many opportunities to do so much. It's just oh, yeah. really exciting. Um, so that's, it's been a challenge moving the bee yards uh, to the new farm. At the new farm, there is just way more room to spread out with buildings and acreage and um, all, all kind of opportunities, getting the bees moved to a single place to keep an eye on them, to, to treat, to feed has been really handy. I wish I was a little bit further along, but, um, you know, what we, one of the, one of the really fun things that I did this year, probably one of the highlights of the year was when I was down working with, with Bob Benny and all them, mm-hmm. I brought back a ton of queen cells yeah. um, off of his Sukobi Queens. And then made them in our yard mm-hmm. with the singles and things that, that came from Bob with those drones. But we also mixed that up with all of our stock that has survived yeah. our neglect for all these years. So we've blended um, kind of Bob's uh, Southern Appalachian Queens with our Northern Appalachian mm-hmm. genetics and then created it, you know, something that I'm really excited about that's here. They're darker bees. They're, um, really gentle they're prolific um they they kind of have a they have they have a different vibe um than we've seen bees in the past to yeah. where they seem dedicated to their the work they're kind of um they're kind of chilled out and mellow mm-hmm. um it really takes a lot to kind of fire them up but there's just it's it's really hard to explain i think different genetics um you'll see them move around and kind of their overall just kind of vibe to the hive yeah. seems to be a little different 
with these bees, I'm not sure if it's the, the New World Carniolian mix with the Caucasian. That's probably it. But they just seem, it's almost like a, it's, it's like a smooth flowing stream. They're just doing their thing on a hive. Sometimes you'll get um, bees that can be really jumpy and they're just almost like jumping off the, yeah. jumping off the frame or they're just, you know, really ex- excitable and they're just, yeah. it's a whole different thing. But these ones, there's, there's a certain mellow groove thing going oh, on yeah. with them. I really like that. I've been quite pleased with them so far too. I'm, I'm glad that they've worked out for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we've really gone in that direction for our genetics to where now they're New World Carniolan Caucasian mixed with all of our survivors yeah. from all these years and years and years. And I, I, I it's it, they're making beautiful colonies, beautiful queens. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. Um, this year we're actually ramping up our queen production pretty Good. significantly. I'm going to be asking for like 50 or 60. From well, you. <laughs> that, you got it. We're trying to get these genetics uh, to a lot more beekeepers yeah. uh, because they're, they're just seem to be doing amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so in our nukes, um, be the, the, the same genetics, our Queens that we're, that we're going to ship out. We're actually going to be shipping Queens this year. Um, with, with the whole Rona thing, we've been, we had to cut back on that because yeah. we were having too much loss from a couple of the carriers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't, uh, we, we, I, we didn't, um, that wasn't a part of the business enterprise that we had to push. Um, so we just kind of laid back on that, which gave us some more opportunities to get a lot more Queens and genetics mm-hmm. and to more folks locally. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a win-win. Really enjoyed doing that too. Um, but at the new place, it's just awesome. There's there's so many places to put bees now. Um, there will never not be enough places there. Yeah. Um, I say that now, but you know, I'm sure Chris Warner probably said that, and Bob said that. At, at, oh, I'm at, sure. At some point, um, there's so much. There, the the acreage there is set up to where we can set up beautiful mating triangles where we have mm-hmm. yards that can be a quarter to half mile apart from each other. So we can really saturate our area with the drones that we want and really have some excellent mated queens. So I'm really looking forward to spending a lot of time this year, um, you know, doing that. We're currently, um, it's just been, it's been an incredible blessing, um, the opportunity to get to a larger farm that has outbuildings on broad acres. Um, we're currently getting our, a real wood shop put together. Yep. And I mean, we even splurged and have concrete, Dan. Can I you know. believe it? concrete i was there that day you were there yep i'm looking forward to seeing the concrete in your building too it's it you know we've been we've gotten by you know that's the thing about beekeeping is you get by Mm -hmm. with 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 what you have you do the best you can um and you keep after it you keep after it you keep after it and then sometimes you just hit an opportunity what's that word that that guy used to always say you have to have uh what was it be tenacious there it is that Bob says. Bob says you have to be tenacious. Tenacity, yep. I think, is what wins. And um, that's, man, we would pour limestone screenings, mm-hmm. dirt floors, you name it. Try to yep. do the best we can. Um, and now it's it feels like such a luxury to have a concrete floor. Mm-hmm. Get, we'll get these buildings closed in and we're building the, these big outfeed tables. And that was a lot of fun, too, was spending time with Bob in the wood shop. Yeah, is getting to see how Bob Benny everything set up, and I, I think what I'm building is almost like a, it's almost a mirror image of what he has layout things like that. Mm-hmm. It just it's comfortable. It makes sense. The workflow is great. Um, so we're looking forward to um, being able to build a ton of boxes, a ton of equipment. We have a lot more room at the new farm, and so now we're getting into retail. So now we're actually able to provide folks great quality boxes, frames, foundation, feed. 
um, kind of a whole package. So not just yeah. not just nukes and queens and packages anymore, um, but beekeeping supplies. And that is so much fun being able to meet the needs for our folks locally um, mm-hmm. is is incredible. It, it's so awesome because when there's a demand for a good quality product, and there is, are there is the people there that support that. Yeah, you can do things like get better pricing. Mm-hmm. You can bulk buy things, and everybody wins. Yeah. Everyone gets way better pricing, um, and they can come pick it up locally. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of folks I think are yearning for more of that mom pop relationship rather than kind of these large scale conglomerates. Yep, um, it's really tricky, uh, and I don't want to. Well, I, I think it's more that they want to support local because Amazon's not sponsoring their kids' t-ball team; it's the local pizza shop. That's right. That's exactly so, it. Yeah, that's exactly it. That makes that really does make you know all the all the difference in the world. And you know, I specifically do not hit Amazon. I love Amazon we're, to death. We're, I wish we weren't Amazon junkies, but uh, it it is what it is. You know, I I needed a um, uh, a dado insert for the table saw. Mm-hmm. Next day, yeah. That like, I, how is that even possible? Yeah, I need a, a dado insert for an old Delta contractor saw. Mm-hmm. It was probably made in the eighties. Yep. Well, of course, they haven't changed a lot of those. But anyways, next day. Yeah. Out here in the middle of nowhere, next day. Yeah, I did that with white lithium grease uh, Thursday night. It was there Friday night. It was so awesome. One of the most, uh, I'm really excited about the new wood shop. Um, the one that, there's two really cool things that I've seen at Bob's place. Is he has this really cool dust collection system with mm-hmm. blast gates. So he's got yes. the little gates that he, yeah. cl- he closes off to keep all his equipment, you know, with the, with the dust collection. But it's just a, a simple little detail, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't appreciate it until recently, and I ordered um, a couple of these things. One of the things was one of those Maya flip stops, those rails that go right next to your radial saw, yep. and you set the flips. So when you're running hundreds of, of pieces through, it's all the same width. Just mm-hmm. boom, go, boom, cut, cut, cut. Order one of those. Um, it's something extremely simple, but a push-button box for stop and start for the equipment. Like that's not like, you a know, push button box, like a, like an electrical box that you just, right. So, so we found an old 1956, mm-hmm. uh, Delta Rockwell. Yeah. Radial arm saw. Um, and this thing weighs a ton. It's a tank. And what's great about it is it will cut a lid or a bottom board. It actually has a big enough throat to do that. Yeah. So we built this huge 21 foot outfeed table, built this thing into it. Um, and it has a switch on the side. It's a little tiny switch. I got these, you know, big sausage fingers, mm-hmm. um, especially this hand after smashing that in the post pounder. But anyways, mm-hmm. trying to flick that little switch on each time you're, you know, it's not the end of the world. But what Bob has, and I hadn't seen it before. And, you know, if you've worked in a wood shop, it's probably common. But, you know, it's a box that's that's mounted up next to your saw. And when you go to run it, you open up your dust collector blast gate. You hit, you push the on button, you run your saw, then when you're done, you press the off button. So it's an on-off button. Doesn't seem like that's a big deal, but when you're in a wood shop all day long yep. and just a quick, you get in the habit of knowing where things are. I also got one for my table saw that I can mount down low. I, I can just reach down, know where it is, turn it on. And then when I want to turn it off, it has a little bump stop, big red paddle. You can just mm-hmm. hit, hit with your knee yeah, and just turn. Like, that's cool. Yeah. Like, just little tiny things like that. Which was also life easy. which was also Amazon came the next day, which is oh, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, like little tiny things like that just make the workflow, just like learning workflow on a pallet with Bob, learning workflow in a wood shop. Just um, 
It was, it was I'm an kind incredible of jealous. opportunity. I want, learn, I want to learn the workflow of the palette with Bob. That'd be. It's. I mean, it's 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 completely different. Mm-hmm. I will say, I, and I've got to say this. Um, I, I uh, Bob has some new videos out with a North Carolina beekeeper. Yeah. Uh, Greg Rogers, and um, it, I saw something in there, and Susan said, "Why?" Well, I, th- I said, "You should do that earlier on in the year." I'm thinking, "No, I'm not doing that." Well, he Greg Rogers has pallets two ways and four ways, mm-hmm. or there are two ways that are sandwiched that are stacked on top of cinder blocks, mm-hmm. which seems ridiculous. Like, why? Okay, why would you have pallets if you're going to put them on cinder blocks? But he's, he's down on a floodplain. You know, oh. flat spots in the mountains are usually. Like like Bob mm-hmm. and him mentioned, are usually in a in a floodplain or a, yep. a high water area. For me, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I'm six two, I'm young, you know, I'll, I'll be forty this year. But the biggest thing that I've noticed with pallets, forty this year, I will be forty this year. Yeah, <sighs> feel older than that, especially this year after pallets. That, I will say that's the only thing about the pallets is I feel like the st- stress that's put on my body, mm-hmm. not moving them. Um, but working them, you know, a single pallet on the ground and single boxes, that's a far way for me to reach down and work. And so I end up finding ways to sit on a box or do this or do that to where I can do it to where it makes sense. But man, I'm telling you, you know, my lower back, uh, it, it was tore up all year. See, long. I almost prefer pallets over high stands. Not for my back. I don't. And that's, well, I, I'll sit on a, a deep well, that's the only thing that I could do to, to not be in yeah. pain. And it's so much more comfortable, and I'm so much more quicker sitting down. And it's, I don't know what it is about it, but it just seems easier. Well, there's something about sitting on a box next to a hive when you go mm-hmm. through it to where it's almost, it's a weird, uh, it's like a different relationship with the box. Mm-hmm. Um, I 100% prefer hive stands, hands down, because I can go from one to the next down a row of 50 or 75 in no yeah. time. And I don't, I don't hurt. I'm not in pain. It's like I mm-hmm. never, I can do that constantly. But I get into some of these yards with the four ways and just the bending down to do this, but just the in and the outs to sit. I'm hoping maybe, you know, it's just one of those things where it's an unfamiliar piece of exercise or a strain on a muscle group yeah. that eventually gets better. But time. I'm starting off with a bad vertebrae to start with. Yeah. And it seems to be aggravating that. So I like the idea that I've seen uh, on that video of Bob's where they're up on cinder blocks and Susie it up a little bit. was saying, you know, she said I should do that starting off in the year. If you're having trouble with it, can you get them off the ground higher? I couldn't at the old farm because I mean, we're literally in a hillside. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I had these four ways chalked up six inches to get them level. Yeah. And that's over a pallet width. Yeah. So 36 inches, they're jacked up six inches. Mm-hmm. That's a huge slope. Matter of fact, when we moved all the pallets or most of the pallets from one farm to the other, you have to pick up the whole pallet and lay it flat on the ground, you know, because the tractor or the skid steer to go in there and get them has uh-huh. to be ground yeah. level to pick them off. Mm-hmm. There was that much slope. But um, I'm hoping to do a little better on that, maybe some exercises or some kind of a better course. This might sound thing. weird, but have you tried yoga? I haven't tried yoga. Try it. No. Because yeah. I know I got back issues. And through all that, yoga is really the one thing that keeps me going. My yeah. back and my knees are pretty poor. Yeah. I got to do something because I there are way more pros to the pallets than there are mm-hmm. cons. Um, so it's definitely something that I want to try to do better with, either get them up off the ground or um, I'm not sure. But uh, 
that could be a whole we should have a whole other episode on scaling up the equipment the equipment that we're using and how we're using it not that we're experts in it um but just what we're going from because we've gone from backyard beekeeper to small sideline scale um in a really short amount of time very short um and i don't you know it's when you go from two hives to 20 to now 200 that approach not a lot changes for quite a while but then when it changes it changes big it does definitely um so now you and I have gone it's very big numbers. Very you know, fast. you and I have gone from eight frame boxes with quart jar feeders mm-hmm. to flatbed trucks, skid steers, four way pallets, and moving bees around. Yeah, that's that's yeah. We're just kind of scaling and we up. We did a little that bit. in a very less than five years. Yeah, pretty. Well, it's, it's we've been, we've been at it for probably eight years now. Yeah, but when we started making the real moves, getting the moves, grow. yeah, getting to the point where we stopped killing all the bees, yeah, and then had something to work with, yeah, that's, that's probably been five years. But um, it's been it's been an incredible year. I mean, just I feel like minus the crappy nectar flow, it has been a very it's, incredible I mean, one, year. It just, yeah. There's been so much. There's been way, so many pros this year. Oh yeah, you and I are both are, have a, an, a ton of growth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Scaling up, uh, growing our business, uh, infrastructure, barns, buildings. Put in front of both of us, and it's just been one door after the yeah. other. Seems to seems to be opening, um, and it all started. It seems like um, with the connections that we've made, the people that have come into mm-hmm. our life, and then have humbly and graciously um, kind of taken us under their wing and to teach and to learn and show. It, it's mm-hmm. been it's been awesome. Um, speaking of awesome folks coming into our life. We've had folks uh, send us honey, and we've accumulated some honey. And I wanted just to take a second for a little honey spotlight of folks uh, that have supported us. Quite the little collection story. Quite the little collection here. We've got all kinds of honey. We've got uh, sourwood honey from Bob Benny at Blue Ridge Honey Mm -hmm. Company, and it is absolutely amazing. I've never had anything like sourwood. No. It has has like a, a certain zap to it and a certain sweet mellowness it's a whole it's hard to explain it's got it's like a, i've never had honey that tasted quite like that yeah it is super good i i understand what all the buzz is about i like your little bee pun there. that was pretty good wasn't yeah. it that was pretty good another fantastic honey comes from right here in ohio from the one and only dan and christy bokris at red dog ranch <laughs> super good honey that particular honey um, is is my favorite because it's it's a fall flow and it, yes. it's just so rich. Um, but I think more folks should um, seek out that fall honey that crystallizes because you can do. I like the crystallized honey better than I like the regular liquid honey, just because it's so amazing in honeys and teas when you're cooking with it. I I love the oh nice cup, Dan. Thank you. A friend let me use it. Really? I also have one from a uh, one of our fellow collaborators that says, Great queens, dead mites, and good nutrition. And that has uh, some Bob Benny Sourwood honey in there. And I'll admit, it's not coffee. Today, we're feeling sophisticated, and we're drinking tea. Pinky's out. Earl Grey tea. That's delicious. <laughs> We also have some really awesome uh, comb honey from Brian Coper 
at Castle, Castle Hives. Hives. Yeah, I think it did a really good job. Yeah, it looks fantastic. Packing that and, and, yeah. and getting the bees to a point to where um, they'll actually produce that, getting the equipment in place. Yeah. I mean, comb honey's a difficult one to start. It to is master. not just. Yeah, it's not just a frame of honey. Your point. It's it's there's some work. Yes, it's timing. It's it's it's, it's all about timing. We've been doing comb honey for uh, this was our second year doing it. Yeah, and I'm nowhere near mastering that one. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Looks beautiful. Looks great. Uh, we also have some really unique honey mm-hmm. uh, from Chris uh, down at Knox Honey Farm. It's actually it's a hemp honey. Huh. And it is really good. It's it's uh it's got a nice rosy kind of a color. Mm-hmm. It's got a unique flavor. It's it's really awesome. I really love that too. I enjoy when people send us stuff. When they send us honey to try, uh, they want to send us a letter. Yeah. Um, they want to send us a, a a gift card to Rural King. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> or am I? If you want to send us a letter, you want to send us some uh, honey to showcase. We'll talk about it on the show. Um, you can send that to Nature's Image Farm at PO Box. 1074 here in Zanesville, Ohio, 43702. And if you send any bikinis or Speedos, make sure they're in Dan's size. <laughs> yep. Schmedium. Well, we want to thank you for listening, for watching. Uh, there's going to be so much going on. Um, I feel like we, we've tried to put this year in some kind of a package to talk about it. Um, and I, but I feel like I'm already past this year. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm already, I'm, I'm into 2022 yeah. and all the preparation, all the things that are going to be happening, um, all the things going on there too. Um, it's going to be awesome. Uh, if folks want to, uh, find out more, they can go to naturesimagefarm.com. They can check out all the things that we have to offer. You can mm-hmm. check out Red Dog Ranch, uh, on your Facebook and your Instagram. Yep. Uh, and, and see what you and Chris are doing in your in your honey adventures. Seeing mm-hmm. how you kind of put your, uh, your your honey house together. Um, it's a lot of fun, kind of doing this together, and we're doing different things, and it's it's just fun to. I mean, beekeeping is just fun. The people yeah, are great. Just, the bees are awesome. Um, just think we're here because of bugs in a box. Because of bugs in a box. Can you believe that? Yeah. But well, I want to thank you guys for watching, for listening, for uh, spending a little time with us. Uh, As always, be the lighthouse. Be cool. And be the change that you want to see in this world. We'll see you next time. Boom. Hey, that'll work. (laughs) How about that?